When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Riley's going to keep it and then throw. And Adarius Pullman's got a pair. Touchdown Eskimos. This one from 51 to tie it. Ball is up. And it is through. Sean White has done it again. It's off the boards. Two on two Oilers. McDavid has a step to the net. Back hitter to it. He scores. Connor McDavid scores both goals tonight and wins the game in overtime. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, happy Friday, everybody, and a happier one it is given that your Edmonton Eskimos win again. In their last 13 games that have counted, the Eskimos have won 12, the last eight regular season games last year. The West Final, the Grey Cup, and now two of their first three to start this year. And they continue to to do it in dramatic, sometimes infuriating fashion. We will talk about that as we move along tonight. Two members of the Green and Gold will join us in studio. Offensive lineman DeAnthony Batiste and Tony Washington from 7 to 8 tonight. We'll talk a little hockey as well. Ryan Nugent Hopkins getting set to roll into town for the Oil Country Championship. He's going to be playing in the Celebrity Pro-Am in a week and a half at the Glendale. You'll hear a little bit from the Nuge. We'll continue profiling Canadian Olympians. Reed Coolset, Olympic marathon runner, scheduled to join us too. How you doing, everybody? It is 6.08 inside sports on 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Great to have you along for the ride. Phil Mickelson leads the British Open 10 under par. Henrik Stenson one off the pace at 9 under. The Blue Jays start their second half tonight at Oakland. That one won't start for another couple of hours. The Jays are two behind Baltimore for first place in the American League East. Milos Ronic, the latest to say, I'm not going to bother. I am not going to bother going to Rio saying health concerns, Zika virus stuff, so the Canadian tennis star staying home for the Rio games. We have CFL action tonight as well. Uh, Montreal, some bad weather going through Montreal a little bit earlier today, but the uh, game starting on time. Montreal is home to Hamilton. Duran Carter, by the way, who bumped Rick Campbell in that game a couple of weeks ago, got a suspended and uh, got suspended and appealed. That's, that's going to be heard on August 17th, so he keeps playing until then. We'll keep you updated on that one as we move along tonight. Matthew Panashik is working hard on the other side of the window as our studio producer. Matthew, great to have you back on the show, buddy. It didn't work together the last few days, but you were in for the Eskimos game last night. Yes, I was. It was a very good game by the Eskimos. I thought it was well played by them. So what are, the, well what, are the, what are they going to do? And you can text 630 you can call in 780-496-0063. Obviously, because of the tragic uh, news story last night, we did we did not have a points after show. So anything you were uh, raring to get to last night, we are you're welcome to bring today. 
I mean, are you sitting there and thinking, Matthew, this is, I mean, the, the win is a win. It's great that they win. I don't want to be too critical of wins. I'm, I'm just afraid the, the game is coming where they don't recover. And three first quarters this season, they've scored one point in the first quarter, right? You're behind 13 nothing to Saskatchewan. You're behind 19-7 to Saskatchewan. You're behind 10 nothing last night. You're behind 13-3 to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The way they fight back, and stick with it and pull it out is amazing. But you also look at some of the plays they make later in the game, and you say to yourself, at least at least I do, maybe you don't say this to yourself, but I say, can they just possibly do this a little earlier in the game? Can they just possibly amp it up a little earlier in the game? I know there are two teams out there. The other team is trying. But, man, oh, man, could you just not make it that tense and that difficult and take all those penalties and shoot yourself in the foot and, and limp along until you're down and then finally get it going. Yeah, I mean, they got to stop doing that, Reed. I mean, and last night they were playing Winnipeg, which is, a, a to me, an easier team to play in the CFL these days, right? They, should, I, I think they're the worst team in the league. I agree with you. I agree with you. I thought BC would be, but I was wrong about that. But uh, Winnipeg was a free space on the bingo card for the Eskimos last night, especially the way the Eskimos started the game. They really didn't have a lot going offensively. Their defense hung in for them. I think the offense has got to start out much, much stronger in games coming up, or else the Eskimos, you're right, could be in trouble. Mike Riley, 32 for 45, 465 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Helped, obviously, by a spectacular catch. Riley, he's got some time, gets a hit as he gets that one away. Deep down the field for Bowman. Oh, my goodness, what a catch by Adarius Bowman. Unbelievable. Bowman reaches up in double coverage and brings it down for a huge gain for the Eskimos, taking them to almost the 10-yard line. Bowman, 10 catches, 185 yards. That was his longest of the evening of 60. That led to a field goal as, as the Eskimos put up 10 points late in the first half, including a third and two gamble right at the end of the half. Riley takes the snap, drops back, throws. There it is. Touchdown, Corey Watson. This one's going to count. The Eskimos finally get themselves a touchdown. Lots of motion in that backfield, Morley, and that frees up Corey Watson. Morley Scott and Dave Campbell, of course, calling the game last night in Winnipeg. I, I got to say, Matthew, I do like the play calling. I, I do like the play calling. It was a quieter game for John White, obviously. But we're seeing a lot more variety of pass patterns this season and a lot more attacking different parts of the field and, you know, a lot more sort of misdirection and deception. And that that play to Watson, a perfect example, you run off some other guys, Watson slips underneath, flip it to him quick, and, uh, and it's an easy touchdown. But, I mean, Mike Riley, who ain't perfect, but, man, the guy sticks with it. You know, Reed, I'm seeing a lot um, better, calm, cool, and collective Mike Riley out there. He's reading his progressions. He's just not going out there and saying, okay, looking at the first two guys and saying, it's not there, I'm going to run. He is going through all of his progressions, and he's making the right plays right now. And eyes up, right? Exactly. When he has to scramble, when he steps up in the pocket, or when he moves sideways, eyes up, keep looking for a receiver, stay with the play, I mean, running quarterbacks are exciting. They're always going to be important, especially in the CFL. But a lot of times, guys run because they don't know what else to do. 
Riley is running when he knows it's the only option or he really sees a chance to get a first down. He, and, and I know he got criticized in overtime against Ottawa because he, he might have been able to run for that one against the Red Blacks in overtime on what turned out to be the final play of the game. But think, you know, three, four times last night, he stayed with it, stayed with it, found a guy, stayed with the play, and then your receivers know. Keep running their pattern or keep working back to the ball or, or whatever. You're not thinking, oh, great, he didn't throw it in time, so now i got to try to block. Where is he going to go? Where is he scrambling to? Riley stays with him and, and has faith in the guys. So I, I really like what he's doing there. I mean, look, I think you've reversed the quarterbacks in the game yesterday. The other team probably wins. I mean, Riley severely outplayed Willie. Not the, the, the massive yardage, 465, fair enough. Didn't lead to a massive amount of points, but the Eskimos were starting in their own half a lot, right? They took a blocking penalty, an illegal block penalty on almost every punt returner, and I thought Kenzel Doe did a good job. Obviously, he held onto the ball, which Joe McKnight didn't do in the last game, and I thought he did a good job getting the yardage that was available for him and, and, and fighting for yardage. But the Eskimos often started in their own end and were able to work their way out, and, and they finally got to it and get the points. But, cr- I mean, credit to Riley, just a huge game. Darrell Walker, of course, seven catches for 154 yards. Bowman's going to be in motion for Riley as he waits for the football now. Second and eight for the Eskimos. Riley waits, throws, and he's got Walker open. Oh, what a catch by Walker. He's at the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Darrell Walker. Wow, that was magical. Riley to Walker, and the Eskimos will take the lead for the first time in the football game. Walker, seven catches, 154 yards. That was his longest of the evening, 74 yards. So it was a spectacular night for Riley and the Eskimos receiving core. They're 2-1. and one. Now they're back home for two more games. They will host Hamilton next Saturday. Of course, we'll have it for you on 6.30, Chad. 3.30 for the pregame show, 5 o'clock for the kickoff. Our phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. A little more on last night's game. Batiste and Washington from the Eskimos are going to join us in studio. We also have some Ryan Nugent Hopkins for you as we roll along. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, 3-0 Montreal leading Hamilton in the CFL tonight. They are, uh, well, they just started the second quarter, just had the first play of the second quarter. We'll keep you posted on that one tonight. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Reed Wilkins with you, Inside Sports here on 630 Ched. 780-496-0063. 780-496-0063. We have Bill kicking off the open line tonight. Hello, Bill. Hey, Reed. How's it going? Doing great. Good. You know, I've got to say, coming back in from uh, from a commercial into a, uh, your music intro of Led Zeppelin, that's perfect. Cool. A great mood setting uh, tempo. <laughs> hey, uh, just a couple a couple of things. Um, when it comes to, uh, to the Eskimos and the receiving core, I'm loving what they're doing. Um, Walker's playing amazing. You can that guy's like he's got a glue stick on his hand. But um, I'm nervous about the Bowman and his. And uh, his tendency to to go into like a streak of dropping balls, and I'm hoping he's not listening, so he doesn't suddenly jinx himself and and go into it. I'm loving the way he's playing. But um, I've got a football-related question for you, and I've been watching CFL for a long time, big fan. But the one thing I, I don't seem to grasp is when during a during a kickoff or, or a punt, um, the the placement of where the ball lands and what causes and creates a penalty and what's not. Can you explain that? Oh, you mean where they set the ball after the penalty yeah, so is called? Cor- well, if it's a corner kick and, and if, if it happens to go out, when it goes out. It's oh, that stuff. When it goes to the end zone, why it's not a point, that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, like, I, I was 
trying to explain that to my son yesterday. I'm like, you know what? I don't even really understand it. Yeah, so a few years ago, they brought in a rule. I can't remember how many years. Probably at least five, eh, Matthew? That you can't punt the ball out of bounds in the air between the 20s. If so you, it has to hit the ground first. Yes. Now, inside the 20, if it goes out of bounds inside the 20, it can go out in the air if you're trying to cough and course corner somebody. If you want to punt it out of bounds, you know, in the midfield area, it has to bounce first. Otherwise, it's a 10-yard penalty. And I think the receiving team has the option to either let, make the other team re-kick from 10 yards further back or just take 10 yards up from where it went out of bounds. They must have some kind of wrapping or umpires in place at the 20s then to make sure that it's, it's cleared that, that end. Well, yeah, the, yeah the, 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 the lines guys will be like around yeah. where the ball goes out and they, and they have to judge it or they get other officials to, to help them with the angle the ball went out. The okay, only so what the, sorry, go ahead. The, and the, the only time you don't get a rouge in the CFL is on a missed convert, obviously. Mm-hmm. And if a kickoff goes out of bounds or through the end zone without being touched, it's a touchback. It, it, on a kickoff, it has to be a conceded point. So if it was really windy and I kicked off from my own 35 and it bounced 10 yards deep in your end zone and went all the way through... It's just a touchback out to the 25. That's not a point. But if you caught it and kneeled down, then I would get a point. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of that, that's halfway there. But I think it's, it's, if you can take it through the end zone, good on you. I think you get, you get a point for that. But yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. I, I'm not make... sure why they they made it slightly different on a on a on a kickoff. And I hope I'm remembering those rules right because it's rare a kickoff does go uh, right through the end zone. Obviously, but it, but a kickoff has to be a conceded single point to get the rouge. Is that what you meant? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly what I meant. Uh, that's perfect. You've, uh, you've answered it. So now I can answer my, uh, my son when he asked me. I'm like, oh, okay. so now I can tell him. Well, and you know that's what, perfect. Bill? The whole CFL rulebook is online. I don't know if they have the 2016 one up yet, but the, the whole 2015 rulebook is online because I was looking oh, really? at it when there was that weird substitution thing with uh, Ottawa and Edmonton. So if you just Google oh. CFL rulebook, or I think it's even somewhere on CFL.ca, it's a PDF file, and then you can actually, like, you got to kind of read some of it three or four times because of the <laughs> the language and the wording they use. But, yeah, you can find everything right on the old interweb. That's awesome. I wouldn't even have thought of that. That's, that's perfect. Thanks for the suggestion. Great show. Thanks, Okay. Reed. See you, Bill. Thanks. 780-496-0063. The Eskimos penalties last night, uh, they've taken at least 12 penalties for at least 100 yards in all three games this season. Here's the no-brainer comment of the night. That has to improve. Yesterday... 12 penalties for 114 yards, so the length of the field in penalties. They took eight of those penalties in the first half, only four in the second half. Could you live with eight penalties a game? Okay, probably two a quarter. Shouldn't hurt you too much. But they just, again, I mean, I know, I know the Anthony Batiste got flagged for a holding penalty. It was kind of, kind of iffy. Um, but there's still a little bit of discipline and detail missing from this team, I think, relative to last year, even even though they're doing the same sort of formula. I, I think they definitely have some some details here they gotta iron out and some details that I think have to be probably you got a call coming in, Matthew. De- definitely some details that have to be emphasized by the coaching staff. So this team can be a little more solid here and not put themselves in such dire straits. Dave Leppard, do the Eskimos use the same guy to kick field goals and punt? They do not. Sean White kicks field goals. Grant Shaw punts. 
Uh, Rod says, Reed, get rid of your worry pants. Welcome to the world with an offensive-minded coach. Exciting to see a healthy Mike Riley using all weapons and a coach who understands the position. The defense will get it figured out. Well, I think they will, and I think they figured out some of it last night. Andrew Harris, who has been an Eskimos killer in the past when he was with the BC Lions, had some good plays last night. He was by no means running over the Eskimos, as he often did with BC. Uh, I thought they contained Dressler and Smith quite well. Watkins, who I don't think is the same player he was when the Eskimos signed him, made a big pass breakup late in the game. So the defense was better. Is Does Winnipeg have a good quarterback? I think Drew Willey is, Drew Willey is the ninth best starter in the league. Even with Kalaros injured, quite frankly, Matthew, I would sooner have Mazzoli than Willie. And I know, I know I'm picking on the guy, but they keep losing games. Uh, but you're right, Rod. Maybe I do worry a little bit too much. I, I, I shouldn't. Maybe you're, I always say, let's not critique victory, and then I do it. And they've won 12 of their last 13 games that counted. And the only one they lost was in overtime after the other team made a 55-yarder to tie it. I, I just, you, you know, it, I, I, you just every every week they fall behind. I don't know if you guys are like this, but I think, oh, is this the week? It just they never get it together and they lose thirty to seven. Kevin is on the line. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. I uh, got a question for you there. I was under the assumption with the rules there when you're challenging a play, uh, anything out in the last final three minutes, coaches aren't allowed to challenge. And yet you do see it happening. Coaches are throwing challenge flags in the final three minutes of the game. Yeah. Well, I think they can. Ch- I got to double check this now. Um, I'm pretty sure they can challenge PI at any point, right? Uh, I thought there was no challenges left in the final three minutes. All challenges were up to the board of director, the the booth. Yeah. Well, there was. Didn't somebody challenge something last week in the Saskatchewan Edmonton game? I think there was. I think Jones and the other. Thing too, when I was reading through uh, last year, there when they had uh, the game right after Calgary and Winnipeg with that controversial call, they had a call on Willis in the final three minutes, which they overturned the call. They uh, oh the yeah yeah the PI call yeah yeah, and so the other thing that I read there when I was reading through the rules, technically the from what I understood anyways, the stadiums aren't allowed to show a replay during. Uh, a review, and a lot of other stadiums do do that. Yeah, we, well, we don't do that, right? The Eskimos don't show it until after the fact. Yes, they do. You're right. Uh, which I think is what they want, because they don't want fans going nuts if, if if it's something obvious. Which you hear them do. How come they're getting away with it, though? They're not throwing flags and those... I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I guess they... I mean, do you flag the team because the video guy's breaking the rules? Or do you maybe find them or talk to them after the fact, right? Well, something's got to happen. Rules are rules, right? I'm just wondering why they're letting them go. Yeah, I'm trying to find the exact rules about the last three minutes because it's. I know it changed a bit. And, I mean, a scoring play is automatically reviewed, right? Right. I, Kevin, i got to double-check the exact wording. Um Because there are then the rules the rules change in the last uh, three minutes here, right? I mean the timing changes, so yeah, uh, yeah. I'll I'll Google it during the news because now I want to I want to get it exactly right. All right, on thanks, and uh, we'll figure it out. Okay, sorry, buddy.
All right, that's Kevin. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I'm gonna I'm gonna find the uh, website with the exact answer to that question. Uh, a little more Eskimos chat, and you'll hear from Ryan Nugent Hopkins when we get back. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader six thirty. Chad. All right, I found the exact wording here from uh, the CFL rulebook. A team may challenge a coach-challengeable penalty at any time in the game. The coach-challengeable penalties are pass interference, both offensive and defenses, uh, d- defensive, illegal contact, illegal interference, which is blocking downfield on a pass play, roughing the passer, roughing or contacting the kicker, or no yards. They can also challenge an illegal block that was called on a kick play. If it was called, they can say it shouldn't have been called. So those are not subject to the the time of game. Makes sense, Matthew. Makes absolute sense. So those those are those are the penalties that a coach can challenge, and they can do that at any point in the game. The standard reviewable stuff. Uh, after the three-minute warning, that comes straight from the booth, okay? And obviously for a coach to challenge in the last three minutes, he still has to have a timeout. He has to have a challenge remaining, um, all that stuff. Just reading these rules here. A team will be subject to a delay-of-game penalty for throwing a challenge flag for any of the following. Attempting to challenge something that is not reviewable. Attempting a challenge with no challenges remaining. Attempting their second or third challenge with no timeout remaining. And attempting to challenge a standard reviewable aspect after the three-minute warning in the fourth quarter or overtime. So they can only challenge those coach-reviewable things. So, for example, um, whether or not a pass was... Complete, incomplete, or intercepted. You can challenge that before the three-minute warning. After the three-minute warning, that's automatically reviewed. So if you were to challenge that after the three-minute warning, you'd get a penalty. If you were to challenge for pass interference after the three-minute warning, that's fine. Was That was Kevin that called in, right? I hope, yes. I hope I've made this more clear for him and not less clear. See, Mike O'Shea last <laughs> night got a was, penalty. Got a penalty well, for well, busy. But now I can't remember what he was challenging, though. He was challenging something that was not challengeable. But I don't remember what he was thinking it was, though. Wasn't it still in the first half? Or was it in the second half? I think it was the second half. I'm th- I think it was the second half, Reed. But I, I can't remember either what it was, but it was something that he said was not challengeable. And I- I even, um, what, what, oh, I can't remember. That, that annoys me now. You know, and do you remember in overtime against Saskatchewan, Moss threw the challenge flag for something, and the ref said you can't challenge, and Moss picked it up. I guess he could have given him a, given him a penalty. Well, I wonder if it was a challengeable thing, but... Was it the P.I. on the pass to the end zone to yeah. Bowman in overtime? Yeah, remember the one where he grabbed the guy's jersey that should have been a pass interference. Well, what are the rules for overtime? Now i got to find the rules for overtime. I think we just raised more... We answered the question... Well, maybe he, maybe the Eskimos wrote a timeout, so I can't remember. 
See, this is going to sound bad to everybody out there, but I know the NFL rules better than I do the CFL rules for challenges. You get In the NFL, you get two challenges. If you win both of your challenges, you get an extra challenge. There's no well, challenges the after two-minute warning. It's the same in the CFL. If you yeah. win both your challenges, yeah. you get another challenge. There's no challenges in the NFL after the two-minute warning, and all challenges in overtime are booth review. Yeah, that might be the case in the CFL, too. I mean, usually in the CFL, there's not a lot of overtime. It just so happened there have been, what, three games already this year? Two of two of Edmonton's and the Ottawa-Calgary game that ended in a tie? Interesting question, Reed. If you lose a challenge in the CFL, you docked a timeout. Is that how it works, too, in the, like the NFL or not? Uh, I believe the first one is free. Okay. Yes, if the second or third challenge is unsuccessful, the team will lose a timeout. See, in the NFL, right, you challenge and you right, lose the challenge, have, but you get time more times out. Available. Yeah, they got three timeouts, right? So, Yeah, see, I think the Eskimos might have been out of, out of challenges when they tried to challenge, because it says after the three-minute warning has been given in the fourth, a team must have both a challenge and a timeout remaining. Or if in overtime, the team must have only a challenge remaining to be able to challenge a coach-challengeable penalty. So the timeouts don't apply in overtime. So the Eskimos must have been out of uh, out of challenges in that game against Saskatchewan. So they couldn't do anything. Anyway, <laughs> it, it adds a whole new thing to the game. And we this came up a few times during the NHL with video review and the coach's challenge on goaltender interference because a few calls went against the Oilers and people were like, why are we even challenging it? And I know there are some people thinking... Because we've had people call in and complain about the length of the games. And coaches' challenges add to the length of the game. And some, and we do have some people would say, you know, sometimes you, you, it is such a fine line that, sure, if you look at it... I mean, here's the thing, Matthew. There are times you look at it and say, oh, my goodness, the referee got it obviously wrong, right? But that the play to Corey Watson that helped set up the his touchdown, right... Remember, he caught it, and he was pushed out of bounds, and when they rolled it back, yeah, his foot was down, and they said he pushed out. At full speed, you would never be able to, to detect that, right? Sure, once you... So do people want frame-by-frame reviews that are, quote-unquote, never going to be wrong? Or do, they, or do they want to say, you know what, sometimes it happens so fast, we'll just go with what the official said? Because there's no way an official with the naked eye could have picked up on Watson's foot being down, Right? Now, having said that, in the Grey Cup last year, that was obvious pass interference on Walker that helped keep the Eskimos' game-winning drive alive. So, I don't know. I think you got to live with it. It's interesting what the CFL has done, opening up the rule book like that. See, to me, Reed, I, I believe that with replay, I believe replay is the best thing that could ever happen to sports because everything gets right, whether it's the wrong call after the fact of live speed. It's technically the right call to make that the play was incomplete or offside or safe at first or out at first, right, in baseball, right? So I believe that instant replay, I think, has helped sports and helped things get right. Uh, so we got a texture here. He said the, the Bombers tried to challenge that an Eskimo interfered with a Bomber trying to get to a loose ball on the fumble that is not challengeable. Yes, thank you for that. So, that, so the coaches, I mean, this is the thing. The, 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 one, the interesting thing that the CFL has done is said, as a coach, you can challenge penalties, right? The NFL doesn't have challenges for penalties, right? They have for 
possession and incompletions and stuff like that. They op- the CFL opened it up with pass interference, and now they have roughing the passer and some other penalties, like blocking on kicks, like I mentioned. They don't have loose ball interference. So that's what Winnipeg was trying. So thank you that Texture did not put his or her name on that. I wish they would have, but thank you for that. You were bang on. Uh, Kevin texted back. He goes, thanks for the ha- for the clarification. Happy that I started raising questions. LOL. <laughs> well, foot- here's the thing. Football, would you agree, Matthew, that football is a very intimidating game for new fans to get into? It is definitely not one of the easiest to start following just because there's a lot of rules and a lot of moving parts in football. There's a lot going on. A, a lot of people who haven't grown up watching it will say, why are they starting and stopping so much? Right? They don't, why does the clock run? Here's the thing. You watch a 60-minute football game over the course of 360 minutes, and the ball's in play for about 10, if that. Right? I think I, I think there was an NFL game a few years ago. They timed how long the ball was actually in play, and it worked out to seven minutes or something like that. <laughs> Depends on the on the pace of the game and the stoppages. Um, I, I know a few years ago I, I was uh, I was hanging out with a few friends. And there were two people in the group who just were like, football's, football's like stupid. I don't get it. And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. And they said, well, what, what is happening? Like they, they, they really didn't understand what was happening. And I said, well, they're trying to advance the ball down the field to get it in the other team's end zone. And they said, well, but how do they, like, how do they have, and then why do they kick sometimes? And I said, well, okay, well, see that yellow line on the field? That's where they have to get to get three more chances. And then, then some light bulbs came on and said, "Oh, okay." But I mean, that's how that they they didn't understand that. And if you sat somebody down uh, to watch a football game, there'd probably be some things. Well, why why this now? Why this now? Whereas probably a game like hockey or soccer or basketball, you may not know all the nuances of it. But it's like, okay, there there's a net and they're trying to get something in the net, and the other team is trying to stop it. I mean, and a, and a lot of penalties in football. Would you agree, Matthew? Aren't detectable by to the average fan, or even to the really astute fan, because there's only so much you can watch, certainly on TV and even in stadium. Oh, I, I agree 100 percent, Reed. Like for me, usually I can tell what the penalty is once the flag is thrown because it's either thrown in the secondary you know or where it is on the, the backfield or whatever, right. right? So you know where it is on the field. But seeing a lot of penalties by the naked eye watching a game, you're like, oh, I don't know, I didn't see that one happen. Then they show the replay and you're like, okay, it happened. Right. But certainly, I mean, and the whole argument is, could you call holding on every play? Well, maybe. Oh, yeah, you could have called holding on every play. Maybe. So it's, it's, it's a complex game, and then the two leagues that most people watch, the rules aren't identical. I mean, it's still basic football, but there's there's things that are different, most notably the number of downs. Yes. So replay, the whole replay challenge system tends to complicate an already complicated game. <laughs> now, is that a good way to draw new fans into it? I mean, I don't know. Most people are born into a family that watches football, so they watch football. Uh, just to interrupt for a second, Reed, the Stars have signed Jamie Benn to an eight-year, $76 million contract extension. All right, so Jamie Benn, and uh, what, is he going to be out six weeks? With the, uh, just going to double-check that as well. Yeah, he, Jamie Benn might not play in the World Cup. He had surgery on, uh, what was it, an abdominal muscle? 
Yeah, he had surgery to repair an uh, abdominal muscle injury. So Jamie Benn, who has emerged as one of the best players in the NHL over the last three or four years, eight years, $76 million contract extension. Thanks for jumping in with that, Matthew. All right, uh, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We got on a bit of a replay discussion there. This portion of Inside Sports brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Just some other notes from last night's game. The Eskimos had the ball for 33 minutes and 3 seconds, and they came through with three sacks. They thought good pressure from the defensive line. They only had two sacks coming into the game. All right, quick timeout, and uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was on with Bob earlier today. We'll have some of those highlights when we get back. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. from the Leafs tracker, LOL. So the deal, eight years, $76 million for Jamie Benn. So really, he has now nine years remaining with the Dallas Stars. This coming season, he'll make $5.25 million. His cap hit for the eight years after that, $9.5 million, tied for the fifth largest annual contract in the National Hockey League. Reed Wilk is with you inside Sports on 630 Ched. CFL tonight, Montreal 4, Hamilton nothing. A minute left in the first half. Quiet game offensively. Rakeem Cato playing quarterback tonight for Montreal. Jeremiah Masoli still going for Hamilton as uh, they wait for Zach Kalaros to come back from injury. Oh, by the way, did you see the Tom Brady news today, buddy? Yes, I'm very happy about that. He's finally going to just sit out those four games for for the deflated football scandal. We don't call it that other name on this show. Yes, we won't. Uh, we won't. We won't. We, Why we are get, you happy about Brady? We can say tailgate. Yes, tailgating. we can say tailgate because that's not a scandal about tails. Yes. Tailgating. Right. Yes, that's an actual word. Yes. We don't use. We don't use the gate <laughs> suffix on controversial <laughs> things on this show. Why are you happy about Brady? Well, I don't know. I, I think you it's going to be nice. Brady. It's going to be nice to see some other teams come out of the AFC East this year, perhaps. I mean, come on. You're really realistically going to think that Jimmy Garoppolo... Speaking of a challenge, do you have the game on? Yeah, I do. Jim Pop just threw his (laughs) challenge flag and his hat. He's like 30 yards on the field. (laughs) I don't know what he's challenging. I mean, I'm only half watching the games when I'm on air. Boy, it looks cold there. He's got like a big jacket on. There was a big storm this afternoon. Did you see that? Here here in, uh, here in, in Montreal? Is there one here in Edmonton, yeah, too? No, sorry, course, right? in Montreal as well. Yeah. There was a big rainstorm this afternoon, so it's probably still cool there. Yeah, he was really making sure he got, he got noticed, though. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Tom Brady. Tom so he's going to sit out his four-game suspension for the def- This is This is a, a year and a half old, right? This was the from the AFC Championship last the previous season when they wound up beating Seattle in the Super Bowl, right? Yes. Because he was going to sit out his games, and then at the last minute, it was like, oh, you don't have to sit out any games, right? Yes. Agreed, but I mean, come on. Well, if he hadn't, dest- I mean, when he destroyed his phone and all that, I that's know. pretty shady. Very, very shady on his part, and I think the league really wanted to set an example here. They, the, the league, and especially Roger Goodell, do not like to lose on anything. 
especially arbitration. They hate it, they hate it, they hate it. Roger Goodell loves power, and he loves being the boss, and he loves being the guy that hands out the discipline. That's for sure. He hates to lose, Roger Goodell. Well, does he hate to lose, or does he just want to stick it to the Patriots? Well, the Patriots have been known to be cheaters, you know, before that. I mean, look, they were filming practices, for goodness sakes, right? Ah, so It's a competitive advantage. <laughs> it's cheating in it's the like, league. It's just, ah, everybody does it. <laughs> Was that what you talking, were you quoting Ed Hervey there? Everybody does it? See, no, yeah, I, I, I actually, here's, here's the thing. I actually have more of a problem with the deflated footballs that I do with filming the other team's practice. I mean, obviously, I mean, that, that that was taking it a little bit far. But, I mean, clearly you're going to try to read the other team's signs or tendencies or anything like that. Having someone go to practice, okay, a little excessive. But if, if uh, like, who's been the worst team in the NFL over the last 10 years? Jacksonville? Oakland. Oakland. If they were, if they, if they were caught doing something like this, be like, okay, don't do it again. Here's like a, you lose, here's a $5,000 fine. Well, it's the Patriots. It's the end of the world. Well, because they're a good team, and everybody hates the Patriots in the league if you're a fan of the NFL, except for the people that cheer for the Patriots, like my brother does. <laughs> so now you're mad at your brother. Well, he's weird. He's a Bills fan, too, so I don't get how you cheer for the same team. How do you team cheer in the for same two teams di- in the same division? Well, because That's he like likes... cheering for the Oilers and the Canucks. He likes cheering for Tom Brady, and then he likes the Buffalo Bills because in the 90s, when we were kids, he was a Bills fan, I was a Cowboys fan. And I used to make fun of him for two years in a row. I got to make fun of him in the Super Bowl. Four years in a row, actually. Sorry. Four years in a well, row. Well, but the Cowboys actually beat them two of those years. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Did Thurman Thomas ever find his helmet? <laughs> I love that story. Remember that? He missed plays because he didn't know where he, his helmet was? He always apparently did it during the anthem. He put it on the sideline and couldn't find it when the anthem ended or something like that, I guess. Right. So, yeah. I'll get the phone. Uh, I think our guests are here. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today, and uh, he commented on the Oilers getting bigger in the offseason. Yeah, um, we've definitely changed up front. I mean, you just look over the even just the past year, um, we've all, all of a sudden become a, a big team up front. With the, I mean, we still have that skill level, but um, we do have the, the big wings, so um, it, it's going to be interesting, and um, I think we're going to match up against teams a lot better right now, um, and it's exciting moving forward. And, of course, Nugent Hopkins was discussed as a possible trade target this offseason. Um, well, I mean, when uh, you see stuff like that, and, I mean, you know me, Bob, I don't follow that kind right. of stuff too too closely. And um, I mean, you, you try to stay out of it as much as possible, but, I mean, you go on – go on social media and stuff so you do see things a little bit but i mean for the most part i was good about keeping my mind off it but uh it's in the back of your mind no matter what you do and um i mean i i felt pretty comfortable in my position but i mean it's just there's a lot of talk and i mean really it's just guys kind of putting their own opinions out there then uh, it kind of gets carried away i think a little bit but um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's still in the back of your mind a bit. All right, that is Ryan Nugent Hopkins' full interview on the Oilers Now page on 630Ched.com. Here's the thing about the Oilers. They certainly are different. We're not going into this season saying, well, I hope the existing players do a little bit better and the team will get good. I think we're going into this season saying, I wonder how sort of a change in philosophy and attitude and roster makeup is going to work. 
You can always text 630-630. If you have any questions for two members of your Edmonton Eskimos, fire away. Offensive lineman DeAnthony Batiste and Tony Washington in studio after the 7 o'clock news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.